Are we all there? Now, when we are reading this, it's a declaration. We are shouting, the Lord is good. We are shouting, the Lord is greatest. We are shouting, Jesus is Lord. That's what we are doing when we are reading these scriptures. We are not meditating. There's a difference between meditation and declaration. I hope you're getting my point. There's a word of difference between the two. So I want us to please bear that in mind. What we are doing is declaring. So are we ready now? We are reading from verse 1 to verse 9 of Psalm 65. One to let's go. NIV. One to let's go. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer. To you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Verse 5. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the Father's sea. 6. Who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength. 7. Who still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the tumult of the nations. 8. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. 9. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. Amen. Amen. By this declaration, we have said that God is in charge of this, our land. Say me if you believe that. Amen. We are saying Jesus is Lord over this land. Amen. Yeah, we are giving him the glory. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the Father's seas. We are declaring that indeed is our hope. Amen. Yeah, say amen to that. Amen. We are saying the president is not our hope. Amen. I say amen. No. Amen. He cannot end banditry. Amen. He cannot end kidnapping. Amen. He cannot end economic turmoil. You know why? He's but a man. Many people are angry with him. I said, how can you be angry with him? What is wrong with you? There has been troubles long before he became president. And it will continue if you don't pray properly after he has stopped being president. I hope you are getting my point. It was not President Obasanjo that granted us the prosperity we experienced from that year 2000 for some years. It was God. I hope you are getting my point. So let's not wish for the days of a particular man. He will turn back to the Lord and say, have mercy on us. I hope you're getting my point. If there's insecurity, you can't blame one man. Why do you regard man whose breath is in his nostrils? Why should he be highly esteemed? That's what the Bible says. That's what God was saying through Jeremiah there. So let's understand that. So what we are doing by this declaration is that we are saying it is not man, it is God. So we say to him, you answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the Father's seas. It is you, Lord, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength. You still the roaring of the waves, the roaring of the, of the seas, and the roaring of their waves, and the tumult of the nations. It's God that ends the tumult in the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You say you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water. To provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. We declare again that Jesus is Lord. Somebody say amen. Is our king. Amen. Is our king. Amen. Jesus is our king. Amen. 
His kingdom rules over all. And we say to him, let your kingdom come. In the name of Jesus. All right, let's take our season. A moment before we do that, let's take our declaration of understanding as we usually do. From the bottom of our hearts, if you want to be blessed today, you are going to do it like you want God to speak to you. Want to let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. It's making me more and more the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. All right, the Lord is good. Please take your seats. Amen. You know, when I was coming today, I was feeling anointed. You know, do you get this like that? Just wake up, you're feeling anointed like, ha, God is going to speak through me today. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. So I believe we are going to have a nice time. Yes. Okay, we have been looking at um, the life of David. Now, let me just remind us of what we are doing. What we are doing is trying to become exactly like Jesus Christ. And we have explained that what... Um, if you read the life, the story of the scriptures, you don't find much described about the life of Jesus until it was said concerning him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before that, the only encounter of him as a conscious and decision-making person was at the age of 12. And that was when he went to the temple and he was asking questions of the teachers of the law. And they were impressed by, it, by him while his parents were confused as to his whereabouts. But other than that, nothing was said about him as a person. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We talk about the time of his conception, the experience taking him away somewhere, and then bringing him back after a while. But what did he do? Nothing. Suddenly, one day we heard that he appeared when John was baptizing. And then the Spirit came upon him, as John had been told ahead of time will happen. That anyone that you see the Holy Spirit descend upon like a dove, that is the person. And then as he came for baptism, John looked at him and said, Ah, that's my cousin. And then he came, of course, instantly he recognized what was going on. And the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then John began to testify to Peter and co. That behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. But what we're talking about is that why did God say to him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We have established that that is not because of the, of the circumstances around his conception. God was, it was not favoritism. It's not this is my firstborn one. This is the one in which I sent that the one I sent into the earth by myself. When he said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In whom I'm well pleased simply means he's been tested, he's been tried, he's been as after he had been trained and he passed his examination. God looked at him and said, Good, this person has satisfied me. So what we are saying, what were the things that God saw in him when he said that? And once I thought about it, and to my amazement, it was not recorded directly in Scripture until the Holy Spirit helped me to see that the reason why it was not recorded was that it was not necessary. That every good thing you find in the life of David, you find in Christ Jesus. That was what God saw, that he said, this is my beloved son. Every good thing you find in the life of Abraham, you find in Christ Jesus. That was what God saw when he said, this is my beloved son. Every good thing you find in the person of Joseph, you find also in Christ Jesus. That was what the father saw, and he said, this is my beloved son. It's like that when you go to the life of Moses, the life of Enoch, the life of Adam, 
All right? The life of Abel. All those great men of faith that you find listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. If you see at the end, he said, now that I've shown you all of these things, now fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of faith. That's what he said literally there. That is, you see, we have seen all of these people, they show different aspects of faith. But all of them put together, whatever you find in them, you find in Christ Jesus. So he said, fix your eyes on whom? On Jesus. So we are not fixing our eyes on David. Bear it in mind. We are not fixing our eyes on Moses. We are not fixing our eyes on Ruth. We are not fixing our eyes on any of these people. I just mentioned a few of them because we have studied some of them here. We studied Ruth. We studied Moses extensively. I like the one we did on Moses. It was long ago. That Moses one, it was long. We learned a lot about Moses. But I kept on saying, this is what I'm saying now. I said it then. That we are not looking at Moses. We are using Moses to see Christ Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow whom? Follow Christ. So it's Christ we are seeing in Moses. It's Christ we are seeing in um, we're seeing in Abraham. You can go to our uh, series we did that time on b- the book of Genesis. We studied also the life of Abraham. It's not Abraham himself we are trying to be like. He's a father of faith. But Jesus is the author and what? Finisher of that same faith. So we're not trying to be like Abraham at all. We want to be like Jesus. But because the Bible did not show us all the aspects of Jesus directly, he showed us different aspects in different people. So there's an aspect of faith or aspect of Jesus we will find in the person of Abraham. So when we study Abraham, that's what we are looking for. Why do we need to look at Abraham? Because sometimes, okay, his failings are also our failings, where he failed. So we'll be careful and take the corrections that God corrected him in that area. Why do we look at Moses? The same reason. It's just like us also. So the things he passed through, we'll pass through them in different ways. Why do we look at David? The same thing. But what we are looking for in all of these people is to be exactly like Christ Jesus. What am I saying again? The first 30 years of Jesus, the life of Jesus was described by God in the whole of what we call the law and the prophets. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why God didn't bother repeating. The disciples just came, or the apostles. Peter just told his story. He said, where did he tell the story? The book of Mark. That's Peter's story. Told his story, limited to a particular area. Matthew, the same thing. John, the same thing. Luke, the same thing. He just collected the stories about his life as he began to fulfill his ministry. The years of preparation, we'll go and look at that from reading Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi. Please, you've gotten that point. I'm just repeating this again and again. So now we're looking at David. And what I've been looking at in the life of David is that God lifted this man up. We began from which particular psalm now? Should we start? Okay. I'm going to read that again. When he said he's the sweet psalmist of Israel. No, not psalm, sorry. It's not psalm, psalm sorry. Second um, um, Samuel. Should we start with that? No, let's just go, let's go back to uh, first Samuel. Uh, we can read both of them anyway. Let's just refer to the other ones briefly. Second Samuel chapter 23. He said, now describing David. Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares. The man who was raised on high declares. So this, these are the ways David was described here. The man who was raised on high. The anointed of the God of Jacob. The Swiss psalmist of Israel. Please notice those three things about him. The man who was raised on high. The anointed of the God of Jacob. 
and the sweet psalmist of Israel. We're going to look at these things and more about his life. What are we to see or copy from those things so that we'll become uh, people that are changed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bear that in mind. So let's read out that one again we've read before, First Samuel chapter 16. Again, because we've read this a number of times, we will not spend um, much time. I'm going to rush through it. From verse 6, the sons of Jesse were passing before Samuel, who had come there to anoint a king in replacement, all right, for Saul, as God instructed. So they began to pass one by one. In verse 6, when they entered, they looked at Eliab, that is Samuel, and he thought, you know, when you are thinking, let me assure you of one thing. God is hearing it loud. God is hearing it loud. There's no thinking in the realm of the spirit. Everything you say is talk. Instead of thinking, we as well be talking. They are hearing it. <laughs> he thought. That's all he did. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And the Lord answered him <laughs> in verse 7. Say somewhere, I heard what you said. I didn't say anything. No, no, that's what I'm say. You said it. Well, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So there's a particular heart God was looking for. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And then the same conversation happened, but then Summarized as, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And all the sons of Jesse passed like that until there was no other one. So let's go down to verse 11. And someone said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, well, you know, there remains yet the youngest. You can't be looking for that guy, actually. You said he came to do what? Anoint a king. That's why I didn't call him. He's not a king you said he came to anoint. He's a small boy. He's not a king you came to anoint. Jesse did not think it possible that David would be the one for a number of reasons. One of them, that's not the only reason, but one of them is that David was a small boy. He had never been to a war. What am I going to say? <laughs> You'd be amazed the kind of persons that God is anointing around you. You know, once they came and told Nathaniel, we have found the one, you know? He said, who? This one? He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They said, come and see. That is, you know why he said so? Nazareth was a very small, it was not a village, it was a hamlet. It was a small place, and literally they've never had a Nobel Prize winner. No president had ever come from there. President, local government chairman, councillor, they've never had a councillor. The most educated person in that place just learned how to measure wood so he can be a carpenter. If you know, I hope I get my point. And I said, that's where the Messiah is coming from. What kind of joke is that? But they said, come and see. And when he came, and he saw Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was saying, ah, Nathan, Nathan, how far? It's not Nathaniel. Jesus was seeing why they were having all that conversation under a tree. Gave him one small dose of word of knowledge. He said, my Lord and my God. He said, ah, I'm impressed. You have not seen anything yet. Let me just tell you about your life. Somebody will look at you one day and think you are nothing. Then you will open your mouth once or do something once. After that, the person will start worshipping God. He won't worship you, but he will worship your God. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Were you not small in your own eyes? Yet God made you. That's how God is. He said, follow me and I will do what? I will make you. When you follow God, he makes. I hope you're getting my point. It is not your natural qualification that will get you anywhere in life. Please bear these things in mind. Your natural qualification says nothing about your destiny. Sometimes you have to literally throw it away. You go and kneel down and say, Lord, I want to talk to you. I'm very intelligent. Today I confess I'm foolish. That the way you got there, your intelligence was oozing everywhere. Everybody loved the fact that you're very smart. And I said, Lord, I have come to confess that I don't know anything. If you don't do that prayer I've just said, you won't go anywhere in life. You will struggle all the days of your life and you won't know why. Please bear that in mind. So let's continue our reading. Which verse? All right, verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with beautiful eyes, and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. For this is he. So we are looking at this particular man, David. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now we've read this, of course, many times. We all know the story here, but we can never read these things enough. I want us to bear something in mind here, or remind us of the fact that David was actually a small boy, literally. He literally was small. His exact age, we don't know for sure. But somebody said he was as young as 10. That's possible. I don't know. But I I didn't see any estimate that put him beyond 14. So definitely he was maybe 13 or 11, something around that area. Let's say something between 10 and 14. Now, I said something last time. Let me say it again. It is not when you are old you start serving God. From the time you are young, God is already checking. Now, it's not you I'm telling now. I want you to be, like, I'm not telling you now for your sake, because most of you hearing me, all right, you already understand that you are being checked already. But I'm telling you for the sake of your children. Don't assume they are too small to hear the truth. Don't assume that they are too small to hear the word of God. Don't send them to go and play two sit and two sit. You know they call two sit and two sit? Okay. She's laughing. She understands it very well. Don't say they're going to be playing tente when service is going on, so they will not disturb. Sadhu insists on putting them inside the same hall as the adults. That the same spirit will land upon them. One day I went to church. This was the Winners Chapel in Lagos. And it was an effort to get a seat those days in Winners, in Yanapaja. So there's this one little boy that was living with us in the house. Young guy, he wasn't so small, I mean, for goodness sake. He was a teenager. So when I would be going to church, he said, oh, uh, bros, let me follow you now. So I said, come, let's go. And because we needed to get seats, we got there very early. You know, like we, get, we leave home on time. We had to travel to get to church. I, I hope you're getting my point. We got there. He and I got in on time with our seats and we sat down. When it was time for uh, Papa to start preaching, then one guy was going around fishing out all the young people to go and put them in the young people's so that the older people could sit down. We almost turned into an argument right there. 
Ah, what do you mean? This young man left home. Any old person that wants to sit down, should please come on time. After the argument, I didn't want to cause, you know, I mean, service is going on. So finally, I just told the young man, please, just go. And that's the last time he came to the church. Oh, he never came back again. No, it was an effort to get there. I don't know whether I get my point. It was an effort to get there. You want to put him in... T- so at the end of service, okay, I waited for him somewhere. I told him where to meet me. We went back home together. So how was the service? He said it was okay. He came to hear Bishop David Oedipo. He didn't come to hear one team pastor. Of course, that was the last day he ever came. Never came again. He found another church that was closer at home. You, are you getting my point? I remember I told that man that day, leave this young man alone. I told him at this particular age, I was already teaching Bible. What's all this? Why do you just assume because he's small, he can't hear what they are doing in front of? Because you had a, a, a teen church, you want to populate it by force? Let's not make that mistake. And if you're a teen pastor, please, no, we have to say these things. If you're a teen pastor, if you're the pastor of a young people's church, okay, they are pointing at Dunduka there. Okay, Dunduka. Don't go there and be thinking they can't understand. They can understand. Someone was hearing God when Elad become deaf. I don't know whether you are getting my point. They can understand. It is not you that's making people understand. It's the Holy Spirit. Please, if you are young people's pastor, it is not your job to go and waste their time while their parents are hearing God. Most of those parents, God has given up on them. I'm sorry. Because it is not that according to the time was 15. He's 35. Now, I left him like six years ago. The reason why I see that life is so that I can help me train these ones. When they are old enough, they start serving me by themselves and they start working any money. I will kill him. It's the truth. So if they give you young people, don't go there and think that today, all we are going to do is break dance for the Lord. There's nothing like that. If you want to break dance, you can bring it after service. During service, bring out the Bible and teach about the Holy Spirit. Teach about the plan of God for their lives. Teach about the flow of the anointing through their person. They can understand. Did you hear what I said? Don't go to church to, and listen, those children, they know, they know they are not a serious person too. When they are going to church, they say, who's teaching? You just say, it's pastor. You can give yourself any title you like. Let's say, they say, my name is, uh, because you know, uh, pastor, Chris's are popular people. You know, there are all kinds of Chris's. There are the good Chris's, the bad Chris's, the ones that do fake miracles, you know them? Uh-huh. And there are good ones. I know good Chris's, I know, ba- I know backsliding Chris's. I, I know all kinds of Chris's. So you don't call yourself pastor Chris, so that you look anointed. The children will say, who's preaching to this pastor? Chris said, that one. Is he a pastor? Let's just go to church. Nonsense guy. You go there thinking that they are looking at you, feeling sorry for your soul. As you are preaching, they are looking at you like this. So this guy doesn't even know God. So what do you think? Say he's confused. Because you are wearing a nice, you know, nice, uh, no, no, you know, you, you want to be trendy now. You wear one nice jacket, t-shirt, and you are wearing uh, uh, trainers. They are looking at you and feeling sorry for you. After the service, they say, let's pray for this confused man. I'm telling you the truth. You want to impress young people? Know the word. One day. <laughs> no one will stream me. I can't say many things. <laughs> oh, I'll say this one. One day. I was realizing <laughs> One day my son, they went to church. He and his friends sat down. They were watching one pastor. He was raising money. He said, I'm going to say, today I'm going to take an offering. Everybody are going to give the Lord 50, 50,000. The boy pinches and say, don't worry, it's coming down to 500. Leave him. <laughs> the boys pinch each other. And they leave him. He will still take 500. <laughs> Meanwhile, the man came and said that the Lord said that you take an offering from each person today. 50,000 each. And 
They were there. They were laughing. These young people were laughing. They were pinching each other. Say, leave him. He's coming out the 500 naira. So the man after he had taken 50,000 naira. He said, now, some of you, you will say that, man of God, I can't let this blessing pass me by. All I have is right now. Desire pinching each other. He said, did I not tell you? Leave him. Is he coming down? Leave him. He said, don't worry yourself. Is he coming down? The man was going on. Oh, no, no, no. When he reached one down, they burst into laughter. Yeah, I told you. Now, these are the young people, though. The, the elder, elders were going for all the years. I want that night. The boys were there at the back laughing. It's not like they are unserious. They know more than their elders. They have learned more than their elders. When you play some of those pranks, the Lord has taught them, don't follow these people. You think in the ordinary eye, like we say, that Samuel used to become what he became. God had warned him early. Don't follow Hophni. Don't follow Phineas. I'm going to kill them. Was, was not what the man of God came to say one day. And God said to Samuel directly, please, if you're a youth pastor, that's what I'm going to say. Read your Bible as if you are going to preach to elders. Pray so that God will speak through you. Don't assume they don't know. God speaks through them. God speaks to them. God desires to bring forth his praises through their lips. I hope you're getting my point. He perfects his praises in their mouths. So please don't go there and be talking nonsense because they make you a youth pastor. You have a, your job is more serious. All those old people you are counseling. Life has confused them. I hope you're getting my point. That the young ones are the ones that they don't have any other confusion. They just want to know God. So how do we worship God? It's like this. Preach it to them. Please. Don't joke. And for information, if you are, even if you are, you know, you know what they call CEM. Yes, children evangelism. The same thing. You should praise until God, God will give you a word for five-year-olds. Don't think we need to be 20 before God starts talking to them. And then, in the context of our message for this evening, they don't have to be that old for them to start deciding about their destinies. He starts deciding it early. He starts deciding it early. Please get this point. It is not when you are old. You will now become a man of God. By the time you are five, God is already deciding whether you'll be a man of God or you will not be. By the time God came to David and anointed him king in Israel, he had a better heart as a little boy than Eliab had. He had a better heart than the, as a little boy than all his cousins who were older than him, especially the ones that were from family senior to Jesse. Because God went there first before he got to the house of Jesse. Please bear it in mind, all right? I just feel like repeating that. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to bear it in mind, especially the message I gave to youth pastors. Now, so we have been looking at the kind of heart that David had that made God choose him. Now, let me remind us again. Why was this portion placed in the scriptures for us? Of course, we know it was not because God did not know who he chose. And it was not because Samuel was too deaf to hear it. No. The Lord deliberately did not say anything to Samuel beyond the fact that you will find the person I've anointed in the house of Jesse. Get to Jesse's house, you find the person there. He could have told him, get to Jesse's house, house, ask for his last son. The boy will be with the sheep when you get there. Don't sit down until he arrives. Tell his brothers not to bother coming for the sacrifice. He could have said all of those things. He could have said that. And if you read the other portions of the scriptures, God used to give specifics. After all, this parambulation did not happen when they chose Saul. 
It didn't happen. This parambulation did not happen when they had to take the kingdom away from Rehoboam. It didn't happen. God gave, they told, told Ahijah to anoint to replace Rehoboam. That was Jeroboam. So God knew, but why did he put this there? We have seen it was because that's what the Bible calls the demonstration of his righteousness. He wanted us to learn how he does things. He wants each person to know that I literally put you on a scale. I weigh you before I decide where I will put you in life. He made it clear to us, I have rejected him. Meaning that Eliab was considered ahead of David. And we believe the same thing concerning Abinadab, Shabbat, and all the seven brothers that were before David. God weighed them and found them wanting. Many, many, remember many, many? Yes. You have been placed on a scale and you've been found wanting. Please don't forget that. We are looking at, so what is the kind of heart that we will have? Now, please, at the age of, um, let's say, 10, 12, 13, whatever it was, David was not the wisest person in Israel. At that age, he was not the most knowledgeable. If we don't think about it, we'll assume that by that time he was killing Goliath and killing Beers. I used to think, of course, we just think about that. God saw his love for the sheep and all of that, uh, so he risked his life. Unconsciously, you will think that's when God chose him. No. It was the anointing upon him that gave him the capacity to kill the bear and kill the lion. He was anointed literally to do exploits. That same anointing was what he carried into the battle against Goliath. Last time we saw it, we read it, I don't, I don't want to go over that now. He did not kill the bear before this time. He did not kill a lion before this time. If you read the scriptures, you will understand that these things happened after he had been anointed. Because after now, years passed before he faced Goliath. Here he was young, ruddy, beautiful countenance. But by the time he was facing Goliath, he was already being described as a valiant man of war. He has started causing trouble in his own way, if you get my point. He already had a bit of reputation among some of the men in Israel. By that time, of course, we saw it last time, between now and when he killed Goliath, he had gone into play instrument for Saul, at least either on a part-time basis or anytime Saul will have problems, he will invite him. And when Saul will recover, he will go back to tending the sheep because we know that when he came to face Goliath, that, uh, that experience, his brother asked, with whom did you leave the sheep? He was in the shepherding business. He had not been drafted into war. But they also they already described him as a valiant man. That tells you that his reputation of killing lion and bear was already known among some people. But this was not there at this point. It was the anointing. Listen, it was the anointing of God upon him that gave him the ability to do exploits. It was a man who waited on the Lord. I hope you get my point. Yes, the anointing came on him and you must understand what the anointing is. When God anoints you, he gives you power. Listen, I'm convinced about this. Now, this just came to my mind. But thinking about it, I'm convinced. Every man that came to war, that to fight on David's side. Okay, let me put it like this. Let me not sound too 100% sure. But this is what I think. I believe David will say, you want to fight. He sees the kind of person that he call you. He will hold your hands, put his sword in, his, in your hand, and tell you, okay, go. Go and fight for us. By that, he transmits that anointing into you. 
It was not ordinary eye, like we say. No, 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 no. For those men to be giant killers. No, it was the anointing that Samuel poured upon him that day that he began to distribute to the men that worked with him. You know that Joab and his brothers, two of his brothers, who were generals with him, who were commanders in his army, they were his cousins. They were amongst the first to start rolling with him, and he anointed them just by being around him. There was an unction around Samuel that gave them the ability to do things. Listen, God didn't choose him because he had the ability. That's the point I had to make. God chose him because he had the right heart. It was after he had been anointed that those things began to happen. What was the issue? He had the right heart. What kind of heart did, we, did, does he, did he have? We saw it last time. It was a heart that pan. You know, I had the problem last time when I was going to say this pan too. Do you remember? The grammar got confusing. Anyway, it was a heart that he yearned after God. He said, as a deer pants after the water brooks, so my soul pants after you. That was the heart he had. And that was the heart that God saw. And what I want to expand on today, okay, I just, I've spoken this length, okay, reviewing most of the things that we have said in the previous times, and especially last time. But I want to expand on that heart today. I, I need to expand on it. It is so important. Because, you see, I realized that God gave us strength in life for a thing, one thing, not two things. He gave us spiritual strength in life for just one thing. But life gets up and teaches us to use our spiritual strength for something else. You know what I thought about? <laughs> I think it was Holy Spirit teaching me, actually. Hey, what are you looking for? Be careful of testimonies. Oh, they look. Listen, I woke up in the morning. I decided this is what I'm going to achieve in the next one year. I made up my mind that this is what I'm going to achieve in the next 10 years. You need a long-term vision. You need your goal. You have to set it clearly in front of you and begin to pursue it. And then, have you heard this preaching, this kind of thing before? You hear it all the time. Have you not heard it before? It's rampant, thank you. Oh, you've read about it, sir. Plenty places. It's a very common confusion we give to ourselves. And then we get swayed by testimonies. We get swayed by testimonies that it really happened the way I planned it to happen. So people start following that pathway. And unfortunately, we start following the pathway into error. We follow it into missing the divine plan for our lives. We follow those kind of thoughts, okay? And then we miss exactly what God wants to do in our lives. Now, let me say something. Hi, God. You know what I realized? If you don't know Christ Jesus in life, you know nothing. I'm not saying that because I'm a Christian. I'm saying that because being a believer, I've come to realize what life is about. Because this life is difficult to interpret. It's very difficult to interpret. He said, by faith we understand. You know what that tells you? Without faith we know nothing. We have no understanding. Be very careful. You know, hey God, so many things I'm trying to say. Even if science says things, eh, the deduction is wrong. If anybody tells you it's only what science says that can be proven that I believe, you only believe according to what somebody else has decided to interpret out of the data. The same set of data can give you 10 different interpretations depending on who's interpreting. Be careful. Be very careful. Many things I read these days, when they are looking at it, I just laugh. 
Okay, let, I'll use one as an example. You know this global warming thing? Do you know, I have a particular uh, article. And the man said that many scientists have lost their careers. He said, brilliant scientists, they have lost their careers for daring to disagree with the popular narrative. I'll show it to you. They've killed their careers. And what they are saying is that, how do you know this warming? It's not a continuation from the last mini ice age that happened around 18th and 19th century. I don't know whether you get my point. And then there's something here. Every time you watch TV, they said, hey, this global warming is because of what we are doing. The some scientists say, no, no, what? You can't just say that. They give, the guy is giving like six other theories. What am I trying to say? Every time they present, look, there was a storm here, it's says the result of global warming, and it's because of we are driving cars. They say there's earthquake here, it's because of global warming. The ice cap, uh, the uh, Arctic ice is me- melting, it's because you have cars in your house. I actually saw one man explain that you should stop eating cow, beef, that it consumes too much um, uh, water to produce, and they, that all the problems on this world is caused because we eat beef. They put data out there, this is what I'm going to say, and they interpret it anyhow. And we, look, listen, data interpretation is inherently biased. I don't have time to explain that further. If you don't know Christ, life makes no meaning. You are walking in confusion every day. People will be saying things to you that are not true, but you will believe because you don't know Jesus Christ. You see where I'm going. Somebody will tell you that I pursued this and I gained it. Then you start pursuing and you start gaining. There's only one issue. You forgot. The Bible already told us it's possible that if people are in agreement amongst themselves, there is nothing they said they have to do that they will not do. But it does not mean that's what God wants them to do. Did God want them to build the Tower of Babel? Would they have succeeded in building it if God did not consciously stop it? Hey, come on. So the fact that you succeeded in doing something does not mean I must follow you. That's why as a believer, there's a prayer you must pray. Say, God, whatever I'm doing that you don't want me to do, please frustrate it. Pray that prayer regularly. Because God puts energy in us. We can use that energy to disobey. I hope you follow my point. Yes, we can use that energy to disobey. Now, however, the energy was given for a purpose. That's where I'm going. You know what it was given for? One purpose, just one. To seek after him. Your own personal strength is allowed to be used for only one thing. The only thing you are allowed to seek in life is the Lord. And you know what I found out? All other things will be added. That's what he said, and he meant it. I've realized the major problem we have in this life is that we don't trust that, that statement of Jesus Christ. We don't trust it. We don't trust it enough. You know, thinking about David and meditating on what I will preach for this, uh, both for today and subsequently in this series, I began to have a lot of understanding. I began to understand that David said that there's a reason why David, we're through the sons of Korah, the psalm, we're going to read it now. He explained why he did in your courts. I hope you heard my point. There's something they were looking for. That day in God's court is so crucial. That's why they would rather be doorkeepers in that temple than dwell in the tents of unrighteousness. Let me just say this. Eh? In life, it is possible for God to dislike you. Yeah. They will mention your name. God says, who's that one? That guy is an idiot. And that is, and, you, and it's a human being he's talking about. Now listen to me. Jesus did, he said, ah, Pastor Bang, he does, Jesus said that kind of thing. He, he does. Jesus, when they came to him, he said, who? He said, Herod. He said, go and tell that fox. That's what he called Herod. He cuckoo. 
know what they call a cocoa? Your Yoruba is not good enough. Jesus looked at Herod and called him a fox. I'm going to say something here. You know, there are times people will be talking. Just say, look, who's talking? You mention somebody's name. Let's just look for a name. Maybe say, by Jesus, okay. See who's that one? By Jesus. That guy is a moron. And he's not joking. You know what I'm saying? If you say, yes, I'm telling you. And he doesn't say it lightly. He utters such words after he has observed your choice-making process over the last few years. And your rejection of correction. Your refusal to be taught anything. The people you all look like at in the morning. Say, what is that one still doing at life? Now this priest said, no, no, no. I'm sending Pastor Kemote. He's maintaining to world versus world for the last two, two months now. Let's see whether he will change. He says, okay, no problem. I give you guys till November next year. All this priest said, no problem. Then you see his friends giving his, doing everything. And Jesus is just looking. November next year, he comes back. He says, has he changed? No, kill him. He says, wasting nutrients. It's important. And the same way, there are people that God loves. When I say love, now let's drop the word love. Say, I love everybody. Let's leave that thing. There are people he likes. If he's busy, Jesus is doing something, they will knock. Sir, say, what is it? He says, bad Jesus. He tell him to get out. He says that one. He says, Daniel. Ah, Daniel, Daniel. Tell him to come in. Wait in the ante room. I'm coming. You leave whatever he's doing. Leave all the big men he's talking to and come to the ante room. Daniel, what's going on? Lord, I just came by to say hello. Oh, give me a hug. He holds him tight. I say, go. It will be well with you. Then he goes back to sit down and continue his discussion. And he said, Lord, what was that? He said, Daniel stopped by. I will stop any time to talk with him. It's my pleasure all the time to see him. How do I know? Gabriel came and said, oh, man of high esteem. The moment Daniel's knees will hit the ground, heaven will stop. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Daniel wants to pray. He says, people are killing themselves in the part of the world. Let them keep killing themselves now. Daniel is talking. Sounds funny, but God does that. So how many people died? 2,000. I will not stop that, stop their death because, because, because of what? And Daniel wants to talk to me. Say, man of high esteem. He said, Pastor Bank, yes, so don't think people are equal. We know I've been saying, go and read my tracts. Are we all equal before God? People are different. There are people that God, anytime they want to pray, God is like, their prayer is sung. God is entertained and, you know, Stimulated by their, they are just praying. Once they hit the ground to, on their knees, God keeps the tune that is like music, soothing to the, can I use that expression? To the ears and the soul of the Lord. I say, Lord, why are you smiling? I say, my guy is praying. There are those who want to pray. They can speak English, whatever language they can speak. Oh, thou Lord that dwellest in light unapproachable, the God that sits above all else. As they are talking, the Lord is looking at them like this. Say, Lord is praising you. Say, who? Me? He's looking for something. So this praise is bribery. He doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it. The angel said, Lord, ah, you mean? Say, wait. Tomorrow morning he's going to enter a taxi. Just listen to him that time. He finishes praying, goes to sleep, enters a taxi to go to work. But let's assume a boss. So there are four other people, five other people. Buhari came to Imo State. Stupid man. What was he looking for? God tells the angels. Did I not tell you? He's the reason why we are where we are right now. Because Shebi, he was saying, I'm the greatest above all else yesterday night. Were you not there? Did you hear what he said now? That this man is going to kill us and nothing will happen in this country again. Shebi was saying, all power belongs to me yesterday. Who has the power today now? Is it not Buhari? So I don't even know which kind of rubbish country without a constitution is this one. 
Lord Logard had this witch of a girlfriend. And the two of them created this country and gave it to us. God said, Shebi, yesterday you heard him saying that I'm the ruler in the affairs of man. Now, who's the ruler today? Lord Logard's girlfriend. For sure. See him so? But God tells the angels, that's why I don't listen to him. him. That's when he starts praying, I, I turn off the channel. But people are hearing words. I can hear his spirit. I can feel it. Why is he doing what he's doing? They said that's how to get it from God. You wind God until God loses control. That's, it. that's what they are doing. I will praise him. Let's praise God now. When we praise him, his power will fall down. Praise, praise, oh, power fall down. His power they are looking for. They don't appreciate me one bit. All of them, one by one, Jaguda, Jaguda children. <laughs> you know what he said? They are not my children. That's what God said. I feel like I must talk about that heart further today. Because I thought about it and I think I'm feeling the heart of the spirit. Listen, that people don't love the Lord. They don't. They just want who they will use. They say it's the one that's answering prayer now. The day Satan gets more power than him, they won't defend him. Any government in power. Why are they going to church now? They say he can send somebody to hellfire. They don't care about him. And I said last time, God actually cares that people care about him. He has feelings. He enjoys things. He becomes sad. And you'll find that as we go on, do you know the Bible did not promise blessings for those that God loves? He promises blessings for those that love God. Read your Bible. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has he entered the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those he loves. Is that what he said? Answer me. Is that what he said? No. What did he say? Prepare for those who, who love him. It is for those who love him that he prepares something, not those he loves. He loves everybody equally in that sense. But those that he prepared a special blessing for are those that actually love him. And that's a matter of fact. I was saying, you know, we're looking at the heart of David. You know, I thought about it. That you see, I said it before. Okay, let's read this before I continue. I want to say quickly. And I said I was going to read a particular portion. Let's start from Psalm 84. By the time we are done today, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You'll be looking for God everywhere to love Him. Yeah. He said, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed. And even ye end for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, please follow this. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and they swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Look at verse 5. How blessed is a man whose strength is in you, who in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Please, I need you to follow that. He said, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They are facing going to Zion. Say so that person is blessed. Whose strength is in the Lord, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. That is, he's focused, she's focused on going to Zion. He said, those such people, passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Because of the kind of heart they have, even when they pass through dry places, it turns out a spring. 
The early rain also cover it with blessings. That rain begins to fall on that valley of Baca when the people whose hearts are set on Zion pass through it. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. That is, as they pursue Zion, strength is renewed for them. Now look at verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. O Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, please, you understand. It didn't say duo. It's just what? Dwell in the tents of wickedness. That is the place where I stand. You know what they call threshold? The door. That is, I can just, how do I say it? Half of me, you know, is just feeling things coming from inside. I can smell the food. The things outside are still disturbing me. But if I go to the tent of wickedness, what he's trying to say is this. I'm covered. I'm comfortable. My power is constant. The food comes regularly. He said, but if the presence of God is not there, <laughs> leave that thing. I don't know whether I get my point. That no, I'd rather be where I'm just managing. That's what it means being at the threshold. Just about to step into something, but I'm not into it fully. But where I'm heading for is Zion. He said, I'd rather be like that than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Let me add my own words and be comfortable. He said, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. Now, now I said something earlier. He said, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. This is the psalm I want us to use to analyze the heart of David. How did God choose David? I'll tell you. It's because of the kind of Okay, we said the kind of heart David had, but I want to say this, say it this way. The kind, that is because of the kind of choices David had been making for God as a result of the kind of heart he had. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You know, when Pastor Kimothy was praying earlier, he quoted one scripture, um, was this Psalm, um, the last prayer point that you gave, that would be from Psalm 115. You know why I know it's 115? <laughs> because you said so, but more importantly, I was going to quote it. Alright? Of course, I, I, you'll see this. Uh, the other scriptures I want to quote. Maybe we should read one of them. Oh, sh- well, you can read it. Let's read 2 Kings chapter 17. The same thing is in Jeremiah 2.5. In Psalm 115, the one the pastor came to quote it earlier, in verse 5, he explained that those who make idols, and he said that, why do they make idols? Because they want to worship. And that what happens is that they become like the idols they are making. I want you to read in the NIV, or maybe New Living Translation, Second Kings chapter 17. Let me open to it. Please, I'm warming up for this, my message. I'm trying to get there. I'm... Does it look like I'm getting there? You're not sure yet. You don't even know where I'm going. But the way you're laughing, I suspect I'm getting there. I'm still warming up. Second Kings chapter 17. I want to read uh, verse 15. He said that, let me read the NIV, verse 15. 
They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They followed their worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Did you notice that? They followed their worthless idols and themselves became what? Worthless. The same thing Jeremiah talked about, if you read Jeremiah chapter 2. It's there. It's in the scriptures. He said in verse, um, let's just start from verse 4. We'll read 4 and 5. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and not the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What injustice did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? Let me read it again from NIV. The New International Version says it like this. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me, they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves? <laughs> it is like, your worth in life. Of course, we're not talking about your financial worth as measured by Forbes. Your worth is, in life is determined by what you follow. I said something at the beginning. I have not forgotten that I have not completed saying it. That God gave us strength, energy in life to pursue him. That's it. I found out from um, found out one years ago. That God said, follow me. <laughs> Don't worry about I want to build a house. Don't worry about I want to live long. Don't worry about I want to have a husband. Don't worry about I want to have a wife. I want to have children. I said, no, no, just follow me. And I want to say something to Christians again. You know, my family were studying the scriptures, yeah, was it two mornings ago? And we got to that um, Matthew chapter, was it 15? Where were we parents? When we're talking about um, take up your cross, was it 16? Yes. You know, as we're reading it, dawned on me. Jesus said that, if you want to be my disciple, what do you do? No, you, you, you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So we began to analyze, what does it mean to take up your cross? So, we're, of course, this person says one thing, another person will say another thing. But we all came to an agreement. So who carries a cross? Is it the carpenter? Is it the Roman soldier? Who carries a cross? The person that you are going to execute. When Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, he said, prepare for execution. He said, deny yourself. Forget all this ambition. Forget all this, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, something dawned on me about children. They go to the school you tell them to go to. You know that? They wear the clothes you give them to wear. The child is just as prosperous as the father is, as the mother is. That's just it. Now, so if the heavenly father is our father, I hope you're getting my point, and he thinks well about us, let me tell you the truth. You know, I told you before that when I started having children, I learned the love of the father. I learned to relax. I learned that if God loves me half as much as I love this, any one of these, my children, I shouldn't worry. And since he loves me more, than I love them or have the capacity to love anybody and he has far more resources than I have or can ever dream of having, then why am I bothered? You know, he gave us energy, he gave us strength to be able to realize this in them. He gave us energy, gave us strength so that we'll pursue this. But you know what happened? And pastors, we fell for it, many of us. Because, you know, earlier this morning, my wife and I were talking and I said, ah, I was saying what I told the Lord a few days before. 
I look God, I say, God, sha. You know the hurry. I didn't say it in a nice way, like out of exasperation. I said, well, God, you know even the hurry is small. Your hurry is small now. Uh-uh. I just said, I was just contemplating. I said, you seem to have a lot of time. I can almost hear him laughing. I just said, well, God, you self. Hurry is not your portion at all. But you know what they have told us in the scriptures? Those who follow me, too, they don't hurry. So those who trust in they don't make haste. They are settled. They relax. Why am I saying this? Because of that, his Lord, no insults, no, with all due respect, no insult intended, just trying to explain the point. Because of that annoying, relaxed attitude of his, that is why people don't follow him. The major problem with God is that he doesn't use our timing, he uses his own timing. Everybody's building a house. Can't, did you say I'm building? And God said, ah, no, I don't think you need one. Leave it there. So usually, we leave him and go to the person who promises now. That's why all these fake prophets, that's how come they have followers. If people will stop looking for something today, today, they won't have followers. That is all the noise. Nobody has ever told me, they say, I learned this one from the wizard at Endor. They don't learn anything from the wizard at Endor. He does miracles, that's all they know. Ozubo, Ozubo, Yenzu, Yenzu. God must do it now. That's all they care about. And you know the truth? He does not. He will not agree. You can wait for him for 10 years. And in the tent, he said, Lord, I'm ready. He said, who said so? He said, the place we are going, there are four phases. You've completed phase one. He said, Lord, excuse me. Please, sorry, Lord. I, I said 10 years. He said, yes, now. I said you've just done phase one. Sorry, excuse me. I don't get it. Are you trying to imply? And it doesn't give you any further answer. He has this, again, Lord, please, oh. He has this annoying habit of never explaining himself to anybody. You're never allowed to question. Just keep your irritation to yourself and sit down there. Sometimes even, you know, part of his funny behavior, Lord, please, when I'm using the word annoying, funny, I'm just, you know, it's called this your children. We are all stubborn people, so I'm trying to help us. It's not you we are talking about really like that. I know you, you are all wise. Yes, he knows what he's doing. He's always on time. He's never late. And one of the reasons why he's never late is because his time, you know, he controls time absolutely. You know, I made a joke with my wife the other day. They were hurrying to go. Was it the airport or something? So I said, I said, please, please. So we're dressing up. You want to miss your flight, you know. Thank God for, where's the maker? You know, <laughs> I just call the maker, please. When the plane leaves Lagos, let me know. <laughs> so the maker said, no. The plane has taken off for, ah, time to hurry. So we're hurrying, hurrying to get to the airport. So, some people were wondering, what do you mean take off? Take off coming to Enugu, so we calculate that. So that's what I mean, in case you are wondering. Ah, are you hungry after he has taken off? I mean, taking off from Lagos, so we know he's heading to Enugu and he's coming to pick us, you know? So along the line, I just said to my wife, what's all this rush? Please stop the clock. <laughs> Do you get the joke? I said, why are we hurry? I said, just go to the clock. Remove the battery. Stop the clock. If the clock does not move, nobody's moving anyway. <laughs> She said, okay, no problem, sir. I'm going to do exactly that. <laughs> of course, she got my joke. But I just made a joke. But you know the truth? To us, it's a joke. To God, it's not a joke. I no, to him, it's not a joke. If the time is moving too fast, he'll pause the time. And everybody will freeze like this. He said, but we will not freeze. We'll make you go around in circles. He will pause the time. You will be busy with activity, achieving nothing, going nowhere, while he's accomplishing what he wants to do. That is why he is never late. Look at what he did with um, Lazarus. The Lord Lazarus is sick now. Oh God, come. Say, I'm preaching. 
He said, but he might die. He said, when he dies, then when we get there, we'll wake him up now. It's not sleep. People sleep when they die. You have to understand how Jesus is. So he was preaching, doing, he was doing programs, explaining to people. He said, now, nah, this is what the Father wants in the kingdom. Ah. <laughs> Boys are like, okay. They've sent like 16 text messages in the last one hour. That how close are you guys? I have not replied them. I have kept on saying, I've been rejecting the call. The number you have called is not, is, is busy. It's engaged. I've been rejecting the call, Lord. Because I don't know how to tell them we have not left. So he finished preaching. Okay, guys, we are going to Bethany. Okay, sir. He said, well, Lazarus actually, let me summarize it, has died. He first said he is sleeping. So Peter said, praise God. He said, let's go and wake him up. He said, ah, we will travel to go and wake somebody who is sleeping in Sambisa Forest. You don't seem to get it. You know, they said they want to kill you there. Want to travel to go and wake him up. You know, I'm being dramatic. It took him four days to get to where Lazarus was. And as soon as he got in, Martha looked and said, Welcome, sir. Impeccable timing, Abby. If only you had come four days ago. That was when we sent the message. The messenger came back, said you heard the message, and said you are coming. I can imagine that Martha's neck had increased by one inch. Mary's own by two inches. While looking, and they grew, grew outside. Is he the one? When they hear people moving, ah, Jesus punishes those people. No, no, they stop waiting after that. After no, they stop wasting. Uh, while he was still alive, they were waiting. After the man died, say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. When they arrived, they were looking at him. He didn't look sad. He said, where have you laid him? He said, sir, he's dead. Ah. Did I not tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? He said, yes, um, thank you. Sir, he's dead. I know you, you raise him up on the last day. Say, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he dies, yet he shall live. Martha didn't understand. Jesus said, roll away the stone. I'm being dramatic and I'm enjoying the, the drama, actually. You know why Jesus did everything he did? Why you come on the day before he died, two days after he died, or four days after he died? Say he will wake up. You know, you know what it reminds me of? Nigerian politics. One day, Chris Ngigi was manipulated into power as an Ambra governor. I can say that because the law has said it happened. Then Bitobi, candidate for Afghan, went to court. And the matter dragged for more than two years. He finally won, and Bitobi was made the governor of an Ambra state. Less than two years into his tenure as governor, they said it's time to elect another governor. So he went to court and said, no, the constitution said I have to do four years in office. So the matter went to the Supreme Court. Now, this is what I'm telling the story. Supreme Court, no, the day before election, they said, read your judgment now. They said, no, it's not ready. Oh, God, please. Election is just tomorrow or the day after. Read judgment now. They say it doesn't matter. Now, anytime we read the judgment, whatever is the consequence, everybody will live with it. And Uba was elected into office. Eleven days after he took <laughs> eleven days. Supreme Court said, eh, hey, Peter, yes. That's the way it's <laughs> We had the resurrection and the life. <laughs> yeah, that's what it means now. He said, Peter, you're not dead yet. He has seen the governor. 
They said, you are right. It's four years. And the Bible started peeing right there. Government house. What? The guy, ah, he ran to Abuja, went to America. Said, okay. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Bros, pack. Why I remember this story? It's a very interesting story. The Supreme Court Justice said, it doesn't matter. Anytime we read the judgment, whoever is supposed to be governor shall be the governor. So, Andy Uba, it was, he said to be the shortest governor we ever, we ever had in Nigeria. True or false? False. He was never governor. He was never governor, no? He sat on the wrong seat for 11 days. He missed his address for 11 days. <laughs> now, you are getting my point. It's one reason why God is never late. And that's what the Supreme Court was teaching us in Nigeria. That when you are the resurrection and the life, you are never late. When you hold all power in your hand, you are never late. Moses thought that having stayed in the wilderness for 40 years, it was no longer, I mean, why bother? But the Lord came to him and said, Lord, that was when I was young. The God deliver who? I was in the peak of my power at that time. Muscular, strong. I was 40 years old. We're ready to fight. You now drove us into the wilderness. You're now coming 40 years later. And I told that one major problem God has that we have with God is that that his notorious lack of hurry. Do you know? He's notorious for it. He's never in a hurry. There are times you, are, you, you know, you start looking at him and say, Here you are forgotten, Abby. <laughs> no, my wife and I were thinking about it this morning. I said, ah, I, I sat alone in the house a few days ago. I just said, God, ah, you safe, Shah. You know they hurry. And it's the reason why people don't follow him. Th- that's the reason. It is the reason. And Satan will now come. Because that's the way it works. Satan will say, look, what is it? Akilo and I were analyzing the other day. I was in the, in the house. That's my son. And I said, listen, it was music that led to it. Yeah, we talked about musicians. Something led to it. How a lot of musicians are crazy. We're describing how they don't seem to have control over their lives. Drugs. I think somebody died. Drug overdose. We start talking about those things. Just analyzing. And we point, I point that to him again. All right? That you see, there's nothing Satan can give you. Nothing that God had not planned to give. Satan creates nothing. He doesn't create anything. He does not create anything. He can't give you that which is not your own. If God has not determined to give you something, he can't. We're talking about musicians becoming very uh, popular. I, I heard Bob Connor say this, that Elvis Presley, according to the order of God from the foundation that this God made Elvis Presley for, what he made him for, what he put him aside for in his mother's womb was to be an evangelist. He said the man actually gave his life, rededicated his life, either gave his life to Christ or rededicated his life to Christ a few days before he died. And that the reason Elvis Presley died was simply because the Lord said it is enough. He was tired of waiting for him to do the right thing. So in one day of sobriety, the Holy Spirit took hold of him. I think he saw it in the vision. The man got on his knees and wept his heart out. 
and cried to the Lord for mercy. And there was a testimony of one of his buddies who came to him and said, Ah, this girl is pursuing you know, nonsense. That girl just, uh, ah, then you're telling him that he should, he, should, he should come, they should go to church. They should go to church, telling him about Jesus. What kind of nonsense is that? Expecting Elvis to, to flow with the, you know, the, the rhyme, you know, with the gist. To his shock, this was the day before he died. He just turned to the guy and said, Better listen to her. The guy was like, Ah, my guy high on something. What new thing are you smoking? The next day, they found the man dead. I think of drug overdose or something. I can't remember exactly how Elvis Presley died. But whichever way he died, okay, what happened was that the Lord said, in this moment of so bright, when he has looked to the Lord again and cried for mercy, I said, this is my servant. He's not good and he's not faithful. Sign to withdraw him and remove him from the earth. Now listen to what I'm going to say. That the reason he was explaining why he commanded such following was a twisting of his evangelical anointing. And if you check, think about it. A man like Billy Graham is more popular than Elvis Presley. More people know Billy Graham. So evangelical anointing actually makes you popular sometimes. Makes you famous. Let me use the word. Famous. You'll be well known. The difference, however, I'm talking about Elvis Presley died at the age of 42. I'm compared with Billy Graham who died at the age of 99. You see, the difference is this. God gives you a gift. Now, I've left my main message, and I'm just trying to tell you why people don't follow God, all right? Now, the problem is this. God gives you a gift, and the world tells you you should make money from it. Let me just tell Christians, you must never think like that. Never. Why do we think it's only preachers that are called by God? Everybody's called. What do I mean? Everybody thinks it is normal for Pastor Banky to give out his messages free of charge. Some will tell me, thank you very much for doing that, which is abnormal. Because they don't think it's normal. Because most pastors will sell. Now, should I sell? Should I not sell? Now, currently, my understanding is that it's illogical for me to sell. It's totally illogical. In fact, right now, if I sell, I'll have problems. Because the Lord will wonder, what's wrong with you? What are you trying to achieve? Because he has given us a modern Roman road, which we talk about once in a while. Okay? And why do I want to sell? It's because I just think that maybe I should get something from this. And God says, is it yours? I understand fully, okay, that it's not. The message, the anointing that is as much yours as it is mine. We hold it equally. It belongs to our father, actually. So if I'm not blessed by it, that's my own problem. But whatever I'm preaching, I'm supposed to make sure I hear it. As much as you are hearing it. It belongs to everybody. I hope you're getting my point. Please, I'm trying to get, get somewhere here. People just assume that once you have a gift, you must make money from it. And it's a major reason Christians miss their destiny. It's a major reason. Let me give you an example. You know, and then, you know God is very lavish. When I say lavish. Very, very lavish. He spent heavily. God may want to... Maybe decorate this place, if it's the one, and you will come one day and he has bought stuff worth $10 million. Just decorate this small hall. And you are wondering, why are you bothering to do that? Say, I have the money. What am I supposed to do with it? If Bill Gates did it, will you ask him questions? I don't know why you are getting the point. His own logic is that, okay, if it was Bill Gates that did it, will you ask this question? You say, no, then shut your mouth. What kind of insult is that? I'm richer than Bill Gates 100 million thousand times in eternity. 
He's very lavish. He's very, very lavish. You see what I mean by being lavish? So, God can take a man that sings twice as well as Davido. Who's the guy that got paid about a million dollars? That was that time to sing for one night. Davido, right? Whiskey. In India. Two of you finish the fight now. Tell me who it is now. This is how you know church people. They don't even know what's going on outside. Elder John, can you spell whiskey? Choose, let me see whether you know. Who was it? I think it was whiskey. Okay, one Nigerian artist, okay, was paid, that was about two years ago, right? Or less. And what he was paid for one year, one night show was that, that time in Naira came to 249 million Naira. Abi? Yes. That was about $900,000 that time or so, or something between seven and $900,000. Now, if you hear that, and somebody will now tell you that, listen, ah, you, are, you can sing better than him now. You can. Then the annoying thing about it is that, you know this is our God. You know, say, he's not in a hurry. Now, I forgot the other part. He may not want you to make a dime from that. Who writes passport? See what he wrote. Popular. Books everywhere. You know what he got for it? Nothing. So you may think that you can sing more than David. God said, well, but it's not to be monetized. Leave it like that. Yes. He, oh, God, he does it. He will do it. He'll just make up his mind. When I say it's very lavish, he says, okay, what am I supposed to do with it? He says, ah, go to church now. There's going to be a church. There will be like 1,000 members there. I want you to lead praise worship. Every time you sing like that, I want them to see heaven. That is, so you see a gift that is that of Davido, Whiskey, Two Face, Peter Okoye, Paul Okoye, all of them put together. That anytime somebody hears you sing, what they are like, ah, Omo, these boys are not half as good as you. What are you doing here? That is Satan. Anytime you hear that, just know Satan has bought a suit and is speaking with you. That's why you hear things like, you are too big for this place. That's an insult to God. He knows why he placed you there. He's very lavish. He will take the most intelligent young man or young woman, train her in engineering, get a master's in advanced physics, and locate you to a secondary school. And all companies will tell you, come and work for us. We start you on 750,000 naira a month during training. Within one year, You'll be on two million naira a month. And then you go state government. We give you thirty-five thousand six hundred. And owe you salaries <laughs> once in a while. And everybody will gather and say, What are you doing here? The only thing they have in mind is that you can make more money. And you know, let me tell you the mind of God. He says, I will bless all of you, not one person now. When you realize that money is not supposed to be your God. You know, most people like that, they've left. They say, my mates are not here. God said, that's a personal insult to me. Didn't you read your Bible? A woman broke an alabaster box of pure nard. Expensive perfume, equivalent amount in today's Naira. is about, one point something million. Close to two million are today. Because it was a, an average worker's earning for 300 days. Smashed it because, you no, know, my wife laughs at me. He said, mm, 
One day, if I tell you, you are going to laugh. Last time, now, physically, I've not been in the U.S. for some time. The perfume my friend's wife gave me when I came back is still there. Oh, I said they use a small so you should go and collect the thing and use this use this small and I can't come on, don't, 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 don't touch that perfume. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Oh God, turn not turn up. That will be turned on in the thing. So you can imagine how I will feel. If she wants to go and say it's an important occasion, she breaks the bottle and pours on her body and shake like this. You know, I'm going to ask, call her father. <laughs> I said, Where's my money? <laughs> The bride price. <laughs> See what you can say in this one. That was what happened. And the people we are talking about is not up to one month workers who earn, you know. It's very nice perfume, actually. One day I was spirit, I would have the kind of to come and sniff it. It's very, very nice. I didn't use it in small, small. I use cheaper perfumes every day. But that one, anytime I feel anointed, I just carry it. <laughs> this woman took it, smashed the bottle. Poured it on Jesus. The whole house was full. Ah. Judas said, ah, ah. <laughs> and we're about to roof my village also. Because the boy wanted to steal the money. But that gives us a glimpse of how God behaves sometimes. Just la- he will lavish. He says, Solomon in all his glory was not as arrayed as one of these. And he was talking about the flowers of the field that last 24 hours. That is what Solomon used to deck himself up at a time. Was not as expensive as what God uses to dress a, fl- a flower for 24 hours. Solomon will use it and go and hang it. Use it can use it every day for 20 years. God uses it for one day, it's gone. So God will take that intelligent young man, young woman, who everybody says, if you only will go and work for shell, or glue. Listen, you can be earning this amount of millions in a month. And God says, no. Go to Enugu State um, School Management Board. Go and get a job there as a physics and mathematics teacher. And listen to, the, listen to me and wait for me. If God says, wait, eh? please go and buy a gallon of patience and get a constant supply of it. He is never in a hurry. Sometimes he will wait until waiting doesn't make sense anymore. That if God doesn't come, now I'm going to die. That is why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you do what? You deny yourself. Take up your death sentence. Let's get it clear. Change the word cross to death sentence and follow me. Which means that when he says wait, just tell your family, I have died though. You guys know the date of burial later. Don't wait for me that I will become rich and send you money. I am never going to be rich. I am never going to send you money. I see young pastors thinking that one day church will blow. They will not be well known. You have not taken your cross. You have not taken your death sentence. You haven't. Oh, God. That is why they go and submit to native doctors, babalawos who are wearing suits, who will give them an anointing. They will not be gathering large crowds. That is the reason why. God is very lavish. You tell that young man, that young woman, that just a young man to make it easy. Say, wait for me there. So the guy is feeling very anointed. Praise God. The Lord, I heard the Lord clearly. His friend said, ah, come now, let's take this and go to this country. They need Dubai, not Dubai, um, Saudi. Saudi, look, if you can speak English well. And you know physics like this. Look at your results. Now you finished from UNN. For goodness sake, you had a first class. You did your master's abroad. Partly online, partly physical. And you had a distinction. 
Not, for goodness sake. He said, but that day the word was clear. Actually, I saw the vision clearly. It was a vision of the night. The angel just gave me an appointment letter, and I saw it in Enugu State Schools Management Board. I woke up. Then I went to my neighbor who had that kind of job, and I saw that it was exactly that letter I had I saw. I don't need the spirit to tell me again that that's the job I'm supposed to take. I said, are you stupid? Don't you know how much they pay? Or they don't pay? And you, you know you're feeling very spiritual. You know one of the reasons why you're feeling spiritual? Your obedience is not complete. I'll get, I'll let's know what I'm going to say in a moment. In your mind, you're still feeling that if I obey God like this, I go fly private jet. Obedience is incomplete. You are still obeying for what it, it can bring. You've not got a cross. The cross you have is still good around your neck. It's not the wood where they kill people on top of it. When it says to go and wait somewhere, you know what it means? Buy a cross. Don't even go there to wait. Just go there, knock the wood to the ground. Buy a hammer, buy, buy a nail. He said, what are you doing? He said, cross. I have to take off my cross and follow him. Nail yourself there. When you don't nail this one, say, please, who will help me with the second hand? God said, no, no, nobody will help you. That hand, that hand, you'll be easy to walk while you are dead. You know the funny people think that because, you know, we're anointing, they will not pay you, they won't owe you. They will owe you like every other fellow working for that state. You'll go to that promotion career. Listen, after 15 years, you will look back and ask yourself, did I hear God? Next person that says in his family, your family that they gave their life to Christ, they will re- that's why when I was young, people get born again and they lose families. And that was the reason. It's things like this. But we threw it away thinking it's a God of prosperity we are serving. It's not like that. He's a, a God of prosperity. At the same time, he's a God of self-denial. He's a God that collects everything from Peter and makes him a fisher of men. He's God that takes Moses away from the palace and makes him go into the wilderness after spending some time with slaves. He's a God that brings Moses back and Moses never stays in a building the rest of his life. Do you think Moses rested one day? Never seen that kind of slavery before. That guy was a slave from Egypt till he died. Yeah, Moses. Go and read the story of Moses. And God could even say that all these years I have labored. I'll just forgive you. What did he say? Just let me just see the promised land. God said, no. Say, Lord, I just want to trek the promised land. God said, no. Lord, I beg now. The Lord said, one, the answer is no. Two, don't even ask again. Frustration. So Moses said, okay, I hear God said, okay, just come and look. Well, I couldn't say I won't enter because they said, don't bring up the matter again. Oh, took him around. Showed him the length, the breadth. Now listen to me or what I'm about to tell you. And he showed him the real promised land. And said, Moses, don't focus your eyes on this one. The real promised land, you will walk on it. This one you are seeing is not the real promised land. The real promised land is yonder. It's not in this dispensation. The real promised land has not come. The way to that promised land has not yet been born. You have just come to lay a foundation for the coming of the way, the truth and the life. You don't, this is, don't, it was saying to Moses, don't desire this land. It's not it, it's not it. I want to, let's understand God well. You know the mistake now, I said something at the beginning, the mistake we make? God gave us energy to pursue Him. You know the truth? We have used both that energy and the knowledge of God to pursue other things. This is God's plan. If this is the limit of pursuit, hmm? if this is the limit of pursuit, and we're coming from here, this is where God expects to be. There's nothing behind him. What we are pursuing is God. 
Once we find him, we have found everything. But you know what we practice? We place him here and put our motor car here, our house here, our dollars here, pounds here, so God is here. So where we are going is not God. Omo, I must hammer. So how do you hammer? Follow God. So we are not really following God. God is our means to an end. He's not our end. That's the major problem of today's Christianity. And pastors are the cause of it. We are the cause of it. People are not yet satisfied in what they should be satisfied in. They are like, God, I've followed you now for a number of years. So when are you going to settle me? When are you going to do this for me? And once you have that mindset, Jesus is not your own. Just forget it. You don't get the point yet. Let me tell you the kind of heart David had, which God loved. He was satisfied with the Lord's presence. Let's talk about the Lord for a moment. Because remember we said those who follow the God, idols become like them. One thing about those idols is that they are what? They are vain. They are worthless. They are empty. And that is the problem in life. See all those things we put in front that God should produce for us? They are vain. They are empty. They are worthless. Let me tell you, to look around you, this world is full of lies. It's a lying world. It's a lie-filled world. It's full of lies. Most people think that when I have a lot of money, I will be happy. It's amazing we still have to say this. It's not true. I have found out that lack for a believer is an opportunity. I don't mean that's a joke. If your desire in life is to know God, everything is an opportunity. Everything is an opportunity. You know? Naturally speaking, you know, you know the way the dollar was racing against the Naira in the last few days? You've seen that kind of race before? Racing badly. I used to look at it once in a while. There's a reason for that. After a while, I said, Bank, what is wrong with you? It's an opportunity now to prove that your God is a supplier, not the U.S. dollars. The U.S. dollar is not the supplier. National economy is not the supplier. So it is forbidden for me to lose, you know, I'm not even allowed to be praying. Say, God, please now, stop this dollar from moving like this. Because God will say, if Lazarus moves like this, how does it affect you? Anytime I come up, won't he, re- won't he wake up? He said, Lord, you know, we wanted to buy a new satellite to preach the gospel. Are you telling me that if dollar is now 1,000, I won't be able to afford it? No, there are things you say, you say, you're telling God, I'm so sorry for insulting you like this. Everything in life, if you know the purpose of life, you will understand that every single thing is an opportunity for the believer in Christ Jesus. Every problem, every occurrence, everything in life is an opportunity. If you know the real thing that we are going for. This world is full of lies. They lie to us that once we achieve this, they will be happy. You know the truth? It's a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. Those who have achieved it, they are not Please, you know, I told you that you need to know Christ to be able to interpret life. I've already said before that anybody who says money cannot buy happiness does not know where to go shopping. It's the way they take a truth and try to corrupt it. The truth is that money cannot buy happiness. Somebody say money cannot buy, buy happiness. It is better to cry, however, in a Bentley than on a bicycle. Again, it is a lie. Sometimes... Let me tell you, money is not cash in itself. It's a spirit. 
when it comes into your life, it brings his own spirits with it. Better make sure God is the one that sent the money so that seven spirits more wicked than itself does not come with it. Do you know why I'm telling you this? That Bentley, you can go in it and God sent that is with it. That money came with a, a, an intense spirit of claustrophobia. That as you are go, driving that Bentley, you see the man on the bicycle. And you literally want to come and say, sir, will you give me this bicycle if I give you this Bentley? And he will look at you. And when God wants to punish you, he will make the man think you are mad, which you actually are. But, you know, the, the man will look at you and pedal away fast. And then you will break down there and start crying. And people won't know why you are crying. And they say, why are you crying? He said, how far did me Bentley to give me what I bicycle? He didn't agree. He said, how useless my life is. That's your interpretation. That so anything I touch now is so odious to people. So the man that says better to cry inside a Bentley than a bicycle has not yet cried when the anointing has, you know, ecaboded in his life. When the anointing has left you, you will realize that Crying in the Bentley is not as good as crying on a bicycle. This life is full of lies. Oh my God, it is full of lies. It's full of, there's a reason why David, you know sometimes people talk about in Nigeria, you know, I have a classmate and he likes to hear from Nigeria a lot. Me and he will say, we spar once in a while, you know, we do it once in a while. So this morning he began again and started yapping again. He said, ah, something led to it, talking about, uh, about professors in Nigeria and stuff like that. So now made the job, how much did they end? Ah, it's in the UK. He said, maybe I should employ them to come and start uh, washing clothes for me. I can pay them that money. So after I finished, I said, bros, with all your pounds that you earn, you wash your own clothes, you drive your own car. What does that tell you? Do you cook your own food, you clean your own house, and you don't have a pound to spare for anybody. I said, did you ever listen to Yellow Man? Yellow Man said, they pay you $50 and take back 49 I said, <laughs> when I finished him, I said, tell me when they ever make you a chief medical director or a vice chancellor. And that's your island where you are. I said, slave to the NHS. When I was done, it was a banking. You had this, your guy, you're again today. I said, I, said, I said, do you know your problem? You're always sad. So you have to put the rest of us down to make, ourself, make yourself feel happy. I say, you are not. Sounds like a joke. Do you know it's the whole truth I told? Nobody's happy anywhere. One day I told, I, I, he said something. I answered him. I said, it looks like you don't like watching for this, your NHS. NHS is this medical system in the United Kingdom. He said, who likes it before? He didn't know when he answered me. I said, oh, you finally, you finally confessed. <laughs> he admitted that we are slaves to the NHS. I said, it's obvious. Now, please, get my point. I'm not saying that working in the UK is worse than working in Nigeria. Everywhere is bad. That's my point. Everywhere is what? Bad. Everywhere. So I see young people think that if I just run abroad, my life will be better. I hope you know it's a lie. Your cash counting will, be, will change, or your life will not be better. There's a reason why that Sam said, listen, guys, leave the environment. Let me stay at the threshold. When he said threshold, he was saying, I've not yet entered the temple. I'm just at the door. That's better for me than being where everything is good without the presence of God. There's a reason for it. 
This word is a word of lies. As a Christian, you have to every day cut yourself off from attachment to lies. He said they went after vanity and they became vain. They went after worthlessness and became worthless themselves. They went after emptiness and they became empty. You know, no matter what you say, people still can't appreciate that their car is emptiness. They still don't understand. You know, they will never believe that being a billionaire is emptiness. And I keep on saying, what is wrong with you? Why will one of the most talented musicians the world has ever seen die of a drug overdose? I'll tell you, because it was empty. That's why the most, one of the most talented musicians, an extremely wealthy man, measuring his wealth in hundreds of millions of dollars, praise they called him, that's why he would die of a drug overdose. I'll tell you why, because it was empty. That's why. There's no other reason. Why would I be taking fentanyl? Except that the emptiness is so strong. Let me tell you why people take fentanyl. They've taken heroin. Because it's very wealthy. They had the money. Could buy any kind of drug. So the strongest he had was fentanyl. Yeah, that's, I remember that. That's why I came there and I were talking that day. We talked about Michael Jackson. How he could not sleep. How he was being, he was being anesthetized. Every night to be able to sleep. You don't get my point. If you give Michael Jackson, you know what we call Valium. Valium, right? That's the pump. If you give, I give an average one of you a Valium, 10 milligrams. You can't. Look, sleeping is so much your portion. If I give you Valium 50, you will sleep for three days. That's 50 milligrams. If I give you Valium 100, you wake you after one week. If they gave Mark Jackson Valium 1000, it didn't, it didn't blink. Say, so, bro, send you that thing. Now, the other drugs we used to knock people off, none of them worked for my guy. Finally, they gave him propofol. Propofol is used to anesthetize people when they want to do operation. Then something went wrong. Because propofol is so powerful, the doctor had to, he had to have the place set up like they are going to do a surgery. So he had oxygen tanks. So they don't know what happened. He claimed that maybe Michael Jackson decided to turn the thing on Give himself a while he was not there. And he not being there to monitor the flow of oxygen, the man died. You know what they call emptiness? Do you know why some people go around doing charity work? Go and listen to our series in Ecclesiastes. It's simply because of emptiness. You know, you can have so much money, you'll be angry with life. Just wake up in the morning. Look, person, wake up and say, but give me a small problem now. I need to, because we are designed to solve. That's how God designed us. We have to be solving something. Just wake up in the morning. Just problem. Do me now. But you know what? The word lied to us. Say pursue emptiness. And you know what we keep doing? We keep on pursuing emptiness until we become empty. We lose our souls. Life makes no meaning to us anymore. We just wake up in the morning and decide that I feel like a girl. What did you say? I feel like a girl. And if I feel like a girl, I have the right to be girlized. I like my English, please. Yes, I must be allowed to be a girl. So bad now that in Scotland now, as of today, the madness, you know, God said, they followed after emptiness and became what? Empty. They are not so empty. They teach primary school children. Are you a boy or a girl? It's obviously a boy or a girl, though. 
Which one do you feel like? Tell us. You don't have to tell your mother or tell your father. And if the girl says, actually, I think I'm a boy. They call the girl transgender. They say she's having gentle dysphoria. And right now, they will start, you know, the therapy to convert her to a boy without telling her parents. I just saw the video on my phone a few days ago, yesterday. A man who was sent to prison in Canada because of what they call domestic violence. What is the violence? He beat his daughter until she was unconscious. No, no, he didn't touch the girl. He just insisted on calling her a girl and was using she for her and saying her. This is her book. She said, well, oh, sorry, hello, who are you looking for? Uh, maybe I'm um, looking for someone. Oh, Stephanie. All right. Um, she's inside. Then the daughter will hear the word she. And they reported to the police that is calling a girl she and her. And they said that, no, she's a boy. She said she's a boy. And they said, I don't understand that. So the judge said, if you don't start addressing her, that is me and you calling her now. Okay, let's call it. If you don't start addressing it, <laughs> By the masculine pronoun, you will be guilty of domestic violence. And the man said, I'm sorry, I cannot bring myself to calling my daughter a he. So the judge sentenced him to prison. So they went home, packed his bag, and reported to jail to serve his sentence. And he said something. Last year, I had a normal child. Today, they've destroyed her. I saw the video of the man who started. I knew the website years ago, but I finally saw his video a few days ago. Titled sexchangeregret.com. You can go there. It's still up there. Sexchangeregret.com. The man told the story of his life. How they began to affirm him as a girl. Meanwhile, as a man. It was Christ. He literally had a vision of Jesus. It was Jesus that healed him. Jesus literally appeared to him. And what I saw, that we just saw in him forgiveness, forgiveness. Jesus came to forgive him and transform him. That's when, when he said falling after emptiness and becoming empty. That's what happened. People are empty. You know, Zine told me, you know, I chatted with her. <laughs> Where was it? It was yesterday morning. So had, yes. So I just said, hey, how are you doing? How is um, Holland? You know, stuff like that. How are things there? He said they asked them in class how they wanted to be addressed. Whether it's he or she, about four pronouns. Choose. We don't want fight. Did you hear what I said? A woman came to school and said, No, we can't just say she or you know, just so. Are you a he or it? I said, I said, give them a Nigerian. The apostle said, or a shit. A combination of she and it. I told her, I said, give them a Nigerian one. She told me that she, she, she told me that she's going to tell them that this is how I want to be addressed. Give them one evil word like this. I said, good. And if they don't call you by that, it's, it's, it's domestic violence. It's assault. <laughs> they followed after emptiness and became what? Empty. You know the problem we have? We don't realize what is in front of us. We think we can follow the same emptiness and not become empty. Because right now, we are not that empty yet. So when they give us the opportunity... To stand at the door, the threshold of the house of God. We say, no, let me go into the tent where everything is comfortable. 
but there's no presence of God. Because we thought, sometimes when I hear Christians talking, I want to bring them, bend them over, and give them the flogging that their father forgot to give them when they were young. And they opened their mouth and make it look like the reason why God created us in this nation is because of good roads. No. I'll tell you the truth. Good ro- bad roads for the Christ, you know, focused individual. Bad road is a blessing. This is why I'm not explaining all of these things. At least what happens when we follow after vanity is that we become empty. And it tends, you know, it creeps into the lives of our children. Let me just talk to those who are in, in our country like this for, at, at this moment. Please, do not, if you're a believer, in fact, whichever country you're in, if you're a believer, please look at life from above. Don't look from beneath. You know, African countries, Nigeria included, they have a lot of problems. Nigeria right now, we have problems, physically speaking. Banditry, serious in the north, enough to shut down. You know, even fuel supply was deliberately shut, reduced in that state so that the bandits can fuel their transportation. They shut down all the telecom system in Zamfara so that they cannot communicate. The military will use, you know, other methods, radio and stuff. That's their aim to wipe out. That, that shows you how bad it is. In eastern Nigeria, a spirit has come in to try to impoverish people. Now we don't know what to do on Mondays or what not to do. Those who call the sit at home say we didn't call it again. Those who are sitting at home, we are sitting at home. Someone say, at the end of the day, see, just see confusion everywhere. Against major international currencies, our country's currency keeps sliding daily. Seriously. Daily. There are issues everywhere. Now, just by the way, good things are also happening at the same time. Don't even, look, good things are happening at the same time. Yesterday, I heard that some people were traveling. A whole bus load of people were kidnapped by some bandits. The following day, Amotekun collected all of them back. <laughs> For shoot them and collected all of them back. What in a smoke? Remaining three. The following day, they got the balance three. They didn't tell what they did with the people who kidnapped them. I have a suspicion that they've gone to hellfire. Oh, good things are still happening at the same time. They are preparing to tie the streets next to, you know, down to my street. Now, very soon, no, not, no problem again. If you're there smiling and laugh, you know, laughing at the country, very soon, rail will be everywhere. In a short while, we will not import a drop of refined products again. Yes. See, all this boundary in northern Nigeria, this is a prophetic word now. It will end. Amen. And we will rush back to our farms there with better yielding grains. Amen. The years that the locusts ate, the palmer worm, the canker worm, the army of divine judgment that came against the land, all the years that they ate will be restored double back to us. Amen. It will come to pass. Because of us in this nation, it will become a delightsome land Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, so there are issues. I'm just trying to emphasize that. Yeah, there are issues. But you know the truth? There are issues everywhere, too. America has issues. Canada has issues. Personally, I think Western Europe is the worst place on this earth for any human being to live. It's a personal opinion based on the spiritual understanding. I'd rather raise my children in, 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 in Bono State 
than raise them in Western Europe. That's my opinion. Yes, that's my opinion. You can disagree with it. Once I was discussing with my classmates, they said that uh, Sena climbs. I said, what do you call Sena climbs? You go to hospital with your wife. They can't write husband and wife. They write partner one, partner two. Is that Sena climb? Apostle, your wife gets belly. She goes to book for antenatal care. They can see you responsible for this. And they can't just call you husband. They call you partner one and partner two. And you think that is sin? My son's headmaster, we married to another man. And I cannot tell my son it is wrong. If I tell him that and he says that in school, I may have the child taken from me for wrongly educating him. And you say that is sin? So I tell people, that way, argue my classmates, I say, please, guys, let's relax. Everybody knows the kind of insanity he wants to live with. You have insanity there as much as I have here. You can laugh at my politician that he steals money. I think your own does not even have a sense. He doesn't have sense in his head. That's what I think. A married man was caught on camera kissing another man's wife and is a minister of health. What we call minister of health in Nigeria. And this was in the UK. And when the thing came onto, when it was leaked, you know what they said? He's resigning for breaking social distancing protocol. You're telling Neku. Did you hear what I said? That they said the man is breaking social distancing protocols in, during COVID. For a married man to be in his office, smooshing, apostle, severe smooshing. A woman working for him who's married to another man. His own wife is at home. Next day, the wife generally packed her bag and left his house. That's not the issue. The issue, the discussion was not on adultery. It was that, no, you're supposed to have kissed each other from a distance. Two meters away. Give me a kiss from there, parents. <laughs> that is if I wanted to kiss somebody who stayed there. Do you know, nobody discussed the adultery. It was not discussed. The, why, why were you discussed? The prime minister was having his thought. He wasn't married. The one who thou harvest right now is not thine husband. It was not thy wife. While a prime minister. And the whole nation does not think it is wrong. She was pregnant for him, living in his house. They were not married. And while they were, after he, she delivered, they now went and got married as a sitting prime minister. That would not have happened in a million years, 50 years ago. I hope you get my point. In the same country. It's a sign that the whole society has lost direction. And you tell me you are living in a Sena climb. No, you are not. You are living in a climb that has lost direction. Please, I'm telling believers, there's something I'm saying. Everywhere is useless on this earth. There's no country that is good. They're all bad. I can say this simply because I value a different set of issues beyond just whether the road is good or the road is bad. And I think every believer... I'm instructing you, it's the word of God. You should have the same value system. The same way I look at your road, and I look at your constant power, and I look at the fact that you can call an ambulance to be with you in less than 10 minutes, and I admire it. You should also look at me and say, oh, 
You will pray in school, before classes. Oh, what a beautiful climb. You should also admire it that my children can stand up and say openly that a man cannot marry another man. It's a perversion. You should admire it. You should admire it. You should admire that we still have words like adultery. You should admire it. You should admire the fact that we can still say Jesus is Lord. You should admire it. You should admire it. Say, ah, thank you. you teach medical students and you tell them divine wisdom in a medical class and you have not been sacked, you should admire it. Because I say boldly, if I'm, I'm, I talk to fourth-year medical students and even people senior to that, and I tell them that if anybody said that all this came out of nothing, he's a bloody fool. The foolish man says in his heart, there is no God. And I begin to explain to them why to say everything came out of nothing is totally anti-science. Today my wife and I talked. I told, I told her, I said, listen, baby, anybody who says there's no God is totally ignorant. I'm not talking about spiritual things or physical things. When I described for my wife how God coded our structure in DNA, her jaw dropped. I said that I told her, and I was going to get to this actually, why we should love the Lord. Maybe it's a good point for me to switch back to what I was saying before. In fact, it's important. I'm going to talk about that. In fact, good. Let me just use this one start. I began to explain to my wife. I said, listen, that the size of a cell, you have billions of cells in your body. That for you to be able to see a cell, cells as a speck, you know, just a speck, to see it as a speck, not the full dot of a pen now, just a speck, you know, like a fleck of the tiny, tiniest speck. I said, you need to gather at least 10 cells together. Anything less than that, you can't see it at all. It's microscopic. And I said, each cell has a nucleus. And the nucleus is just about one-fifth of the volume of the cell. So you can imagine now, a speck divided by ten is one cell, right? Divided down, divided down into five is one, is a nucleus. Do you, get, you see how tiny it is? And I explained to her that whether you be short, tall, fair, slim, different, the shape of your nose, you know, your ears, everything, whether you are dark, fair, all those things, whether you are white, black, I said, it's coded in your DNA. I said, do you know how long the DNA is? He said, if I was to remove the DNA inside that small nucleus and roll it out and spread it, it's actually two meters long. I like the way you say, how? And I showed it to her. Good enough, there was a thread there. I picked up the thread, the roll of thread. I said, see how this is? I said, do you know if I spread this one, it will reach from our house. I mentioned down the street, about 100 meters away. She said, yes. I said, that's how God did it. You know, and I found out, you know what they said? Where I went to verify my information. That if all the DNA in your cells, all the cells in your body were stretched end to end, it would be twice the diameter of the solar system. If I took all your DNA, all, and I stretched it out end to end, the length would be twice the diameter of the solar system. And you are sitting down like this, and God rolled it in your body. And I was saying to her, and nobody did that. There was a time I explained to my wife, my wife was, she was dumbfounded. I said, each time a cell wants to make a copy, make some, you know, a cell wants to divide into two. He has to make the exact copy of this to the next cell. 
I said, there are machinery inside that tiny cell that will come losing the old one and start looking at mirroring it on a new build. They build the new one. She said, from what? I said, from the food that you eat. They build the new one, then separate it into a new cell. And I said to her, I said, if anything were to go around along the line of building, in the flash of a second, a particular protein is quickly formed. It moves into the nucleus and holds it. Say, no more duplication. Repair time. I said, do you know in that same cell, things will come up, break down the ones that have been done, and rebuild it? My wife was looking at me like this. I said, ask me a question. She said, what question? (laughs) No, but don't laugh. Think about it. There's a question that's in your heart. Because she and I got to it. What if the thing goes wrong? And they can't repair it. I said, good question. I said, do you know, seasons have been put in the body to blow that whole nucleus up nicely, collapse it, and disperse it. Ask any medical person, we call it apoptosis. It just crushes the cell, turns it to powder in quotes, and it's as if it never existed. He said, during construction, we made a mistake in that building. And somebody tells me it came out of nothing, you must really be a fool. Let me tell you why you admire people. There's always something. I'm talking now. We're back to where we, where we took our tangent from. We're back now. Why do we admire people? I'll tell you. There's always something about them that we love. Maybe you just see um, Ronaldo. You know what I'm saying? What do you like about him? I'll tell you. Because you don't like football, but the fame around him. Is attractive. And you've heard that the Messi was moved for how many million dollars? How, how much is it any a week now? 50 million dollars a year. You pay to one man. Now, you see where I'm going in a moment. We admire people for, for reasons. We do. We do. So, I like Messi maybe because he plays football and he and so much. And then I hear of um, Whiskey. And see how much money he makes. And I hear, so I, I admire them. They play, maybe I, I see a man like, um, I hear the story of, uh, give me another, a well-known person who sang good music, we know worldwide. Let's even talk about Michael Jackson. Why do you admire Michael Jackson? It's because of what he commanded in his lifetime. I talked about Dangote. Now, why would you talk about Dangote? Richest black man. One particular year, he, they paid him dividends from Dangote Cement alone, and it was three quarters of a billion dollars in one year's dividends. Can you see? So if, I, if you hear that Dangote is coming, and they say Okemote is preaching, and they give you opportunity to go to a boat, so Okemote, you I have with me always. Why do you go to Dangote? It's because of all the money. And this it may sound funny. He says he's going to give a lecture. Christians will miss church to go and listen to him. And many pastors, if you come to church, they wonder, what are you doing here? Did you not hear that Dangote is giving a lecture down the road? This is what I call faithfulness. Your faithfulness, how has it favored me? Now, you see what I'm saying all this. So we admire people for different reasons. And once we admire people, you know the truth, we want to be near them. If you read my book, Great Faith Can Be Yours, you start becoming like them. That's why I caution, no matter how well Fela sang those days, you couldn't admire him 
because of his moral life. It was not allowed. And it's a deliberate choice you make. I will not admire you. I told you the other day, I heard in an interview, they were interviewing Don Jazzy. He's a very wealthy person, successful musician and producer in Nigeria. And he said, oh, those of you can stay with one man, and with one woman. I admire you. God bless you. He said, but let me tell you the truth. I can't stay with one woman, no. That if I are a woman and say I'm in love with you, don't be deceived to think I'll stay with only you. If I say I'm that woman, I will love her too. So I made up my mind that, Mr. Donjazi, you are not my man. He said the, the righteous, what do you say again? In the land, they are my heroes. The godly ones, that's what I was looking for. The godly ones in the land, they are my what? True heroes. It's a choice we make. You see where I'm going. So he said, why did David love the Lord? I'll tell you. It's simple. I've considered all the men on this earth. I've considered Bill Gates. I've seen how he built Microsoft from nothing till he became the richest man in the world. I've considered um, Jeff Bezos. How he built Amazon from nothing to becoming the richest man in the world. I've considered even Solomon. How he became so wise. And he built one of the richest nations that the earth had ever seen. I've considered all those people. Then I remember, remember the cell we were talking about here? Remember I was talking about it a moment ago. I looked at all of them and I placed them before the God who made the cell. I looked at all of them and I placed them beside the Lord who made the human body. Who made the genome. The human genome with which he codes for all the structures in our body and which is able to replicate itself. We they said the genome, the most basic, most basic genome you can find is one of the most primitive bacteria. It's more complex than you can randomly form in all the perceived years of existence of matter. The most basic. And the man who explained it, said that all the energy in the universe at that time could not even catalyze the random formation of the most basic bacterial genome. What I've said is very deep. Don't worry, I won't bother explaining it further. Yes, somebody did it by his word. He said, light be, and there was light. And he told waters, gather this side, and waters gathered. And he said, let living things come out of the waters. Let living things be on the earth. By his word, he made those things. Let me ask you, if you had to fall in love with somebody, why would I admire Dangote? Especially when I have understood that power does not belong to Aliko. He did not make the wealth that he's controlling. A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. He's not as powerful as Nebuchadnezzar was. Nebuchadnezzar built an empire too and he looked one day and says, this is not Babylon the Great which I by myself built with the strength of my might for the glory of my majesty. And he annoyed heaven. And heaven said, what is wrong with you? You did not build this. Heaven rules in the affairs of man. I give the kingdoms over to whomsoever I wish, and I set upon it the lowliest of men. Madness is your portion. The man went mad. I'm telling you something. Admiration alone makes me want to know the Lord. I don't know why I get my point. I just admire him. I feel like sitting before him and say, Lord, how did you do this? I feel like sitting with him and say, please, teach me about the genome. They said, um, um, John Washington, George Washington Carver once he prayed and said, Lord, 
Teach me. The Lord said about what? Say about the universe. <laughs> the Lord laughed. Say you will not be able to comprehend what I'm going to tell you. Ask me for something else. And he picked the ground nuts in front of him and said, Lord, teach me about the peanuts. The Lord said, fine, I will. And he brought out over 200 products from the peanuts. Because God taught him about the peanuts. Let me tell you why you should want to know the Lord. He is very, very rich. He is very, very wise. He is very, very powerful. If the strongest policeman in Nigeria locks you up, he will open the door and say, come out. Go to the front of his house and go and dance Malungu. Was that not what he did with the Peter and Go? They put them in prison. They went out to go and be preaching. The people say, where, where are they? He said, you are looking for them? They, they are outside there. Ah, they got them. What are you doing here? They realized that they could not stop their God. Let me tell you the person I'm talking about. You don't understand. When you have been dead for four days, you are really dead. You don't get it. Even your sister will know by now you are smelling. Is that not what Martha said? Then that Lord came. They rolled away the stone and he said, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had been dead for four days. Listen, I'm a pathologist. I've seen people who have been dead for two days. I've seen people who have been dead for four days. All the rotten structures in his body rearranged and he came back to life. People have said that to me. How do you know Jesus was born of a virgin? I said, it doesn't matter. You don't seem to understand. He could have told me he was pollinated. I would have believed. Be- yes, because if you can raise Lazarus from the dead, the, to be born of a virgin is too small for your God. It's too small. It's too small. It's too small. You may have said to me that, listen, thank you, forget that, you know. I came as a butterfly. I landed on a, on a flower. And during pollination, I came out of the petals. Genge. And listen to me, I would have believed. Why wouldn't I believe? If you can speak to the storm and it, starts, it stops blowing. If you can speak to the waves and they calm down. If you can, listen, doctors tried for 12 years, they could not heal a woman. She touches the hem of your garment and she gets healed. Bros. If you tell me that you came out of bacteria, this guy will believe. That you were even born of a woman is the easiest thing for me to believe. What am I going to say? This God is great. He doesn't have to give me anything for me to want to sit down in front of him and learn. He doesn't have to promise me anything. For me just to be able to take a picture with him. For me it's an achievement. It's an achievement. And if ever one day he calls me by name, do you know I go everywhere? Do you know? In my little life, this, I'm a small man. Are you getting my point? The other day, one of my students, he saw me on the road. I've not seen him before he graduated. That's since before they graduated. So I, I was walking on the corridor. He's not a doctor. He's walking. So he rushed up to me. Ah, excitedly. Good afternoon, sir. That is, I had not seen this guy minimum of four years. As he rushed to come and greet me, I just looked at him, looked at him, I just said, God, God, what's his name again? I remember. I just called his name. Praise! Do you know? He almost fell down with excitement. That Dr. Lishino remembers my name. If Jesus calls me by name, especially when he calls me Banky, <laughs> break dance. No, it's break dance. It's break dance. He doesn't have to give me anything. 
Like one brother said, he said, what are you working for? Your labor in heaven. The reward in heaven. He said, which reward? If he says, well done, good and faithful servant, he said, let him put me on a mango tree. That is the joy in my heart. We make that mango tree feel like a mansion. What am I saying? That is the heart that God loves. Why do we love God? It's not just, it's not in, there's a reason to love him. There is. Let me tell you the truth. He's great. He's great. He's great. You know how the troubles in Nigeria is going to solve, stop? I'll tell you. The day is going to stop you. Just like this. Enough! It's not negotiation. Just wake up. Enough! Sir, did you speak to banditry? Yes. Did you speak to kidnapping? Yes. All of them will be queued up. Did you just speak to me? Yes. One word. Enough. And the next kidnapper will have a heart attack and die. Bandits will gather for a raid. And it's in your scriptures. They will turn on each other and shoot each other and kill each other. One day a man will steal 1,000 naira. And God will say, no, I said there's no corruption. You steal 1,000 naira, you go to jail for 10 years. And you'll be telling everybody it's 1,000 naira. God will say, no, you don't understand. It was the time I said no to stealing. What am I saying to you? This Lord should be loved. He actually is worth it. He's more than worth it. Knowing him alone should satisfy you. He's not a God that gives people babies. He can, but that's not why I want to know him. I like one thing one man said when we so good to He said, do you know how righteous he is? Even in righteousness, he decides to kill you. You will look at him and tell him, thank you. That's how righteous he is. We're not looking for a God just because he will give us things. Him as a person. Is everything we want to know. And listen, wherever he keeps me, that's where I will stay. Because what's most important to me now is that he looks at my life with approval. Let me end it with this. God looks at people and he smiles. Then the person is passing and the Lord is smiling. And the angel said, we say, Lord, why are you smiling? Say, that's my girl. And let me tell you something. She may not be rich to you and I. But you know that is riches. I pray we learn to appreciate it. This world has told us riches is gold and silver. It's money. I come again to tell you today, what is riches? It is to love God and to be known by him. All the blessings he has are prepared for those who love him. And anyone that has discovered God, let me tell you the truth, he has discovered everything. Let me leave it there. Bow down your heads and say, Lord, I want to know. I just want to love you. 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 Lord, I don't want any other thing. My prayer today is that I may know you. I don't want any other thing. I don't want to listen. I have spent my energy pursuing things that they say the Lord can give. No, it is not what He can give anymore. It is Him that I can sit in His presence. That he can call me by my name. And call me by a pet name. A name that he chose for me. Habba. That is the greatest value. The God that wound up enough DNA in my system. So that if we were to stretch it out, it would be two times the length of the solar system. Huh? Think about it. If Bill Gates comes to Nigeria now to give a lecture and they say each person... Pay 500,000 naira to listen to him for one hour. 
It is space they will be discussing. Not whether people will pay. And who is Bill Gates? If Jeff Bezos comes to Nigeria today, and they say pay a million naira, he's going to give a lecture for an hour. And we have only 500 seats. That is 500 million naira raised in a hurry. People will pay. And who is Jeff Bezos? Who is Jeff Bezos for goodness sake? Just somebody that the world currently says is the richest person. What about when the creator of Jeff Bezos comes? The real founder of Amazon when he comes? What about the one who holds the life of Bill Gates when he comes? What about he that holds the life of the president of all the nations of this earth? The governor amongst the nations when he comes shouldn't want to pay our own life to sit in his presence for just half a second. Do you know what the Bible says? A day in your courts. Ha. A day in your courts. That is why he's talking about just a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. No, that thing is not, is not religion. It's not religion. It's not religion. It's not religion. It's reality. They auction a dinner. Dinner with um, Warren Buffett is auctioned every year. I don't know whether they're still doing it, or maybe COVID stopped it. People used to pay as much as two million US dollars to have dinner with Warren Buffett. The money is usually donated to charity. Why? He's the most successful investor the world has ever seen. So rich people will pay to talk to him for an hour over dinner. What will you give to sit before the Lord and hear him? Wouldn't you give your whole life? Wouldn't you drop your ambition? Wouldn't you say to him, Lord, wherever you keep me? He came to Adam, where are you? That was where he used to meet Adam. Say, Lord, please, where am I supposed to be? Let me go back there and go and wait. Let me go back there, Lord, let me go and wait. He came to Adam and said, where are you? That is, there was a place he used to sit down to talk to Adam. It is better to sit to talk with the Lord than to pay a million dollars to talk with Warren Buffett. A day, just one day, in his courts, that's what he's talking about, is better than a thousand outside. That is, if I will spend a day with the Lord, I'd rather do that than spend a, a thousand days with Warren Buffett, with Bill Gates, with Jeff Bezos, with Aleko Dangote, with Carlos Slim. I mentioned the world's richest people or the greatest musicians the world has ever seen. You know the truth? They created nothing. They created nothing. Only the gift of God in their life is what you are seeing. Some of them, Satan took them by a shortcut to enter into the destiny God actually had prepared. That wouldn't deceive us. They created nothing. They created nothing. So what did he say? I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Where would I rather be? Where the presence of God is. Even if I had just the edge. I told us last time, William Seymour, 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 yes. William, I think we see William Seymour, that's his name, Azusa Street Man, the Seymour man. They didn't let him to the white churches. He did not take offense. He sat outside. He sat at the door. He sat at the windows and heard the word of God that the white preacher was preaching until the anointing fell upon him. Until today, it's a name that is mentioned talking about the revival that came upon the earth at a particular point in time. He sat at the door. What is the quest of your heart? 
That's the prayer for this evening. Let's take about um, 30 seconds to pray. And say, Lord, let nothing satisfy me but you. Be my satisfaction. Uh, be my satisfaction daily. Let me hunger. Give me that hunger. Give me that thirst. After you. Let nothing satisfy me, Lord, but you. Just pray that prayer. I just want to be with you. Indeed, that is truly the desire of my heart. I just want to sit there while you do. Just to see you. Hear you talk. Oh, pray. Say, Lord, let nothing satisfy me. I desire nothing but you. Let nothing satisfy me, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this hunger, Lord, that you've given to us this evening. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to truth, to value, to true satisfaction. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for focus. Or refocusing us. Give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, I am grateful. Lord, we give you praise.